or Romeo China. Let's do this. I watch film, but I'd be honest. I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at DDDNFL on Twitter, and of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, I'm joined by me old buddy, me old pal. It's at Ryan Peacock NFL. What's going on? Well, it's an absolute privilege to be on the show again today, Stephen. And uh, I've really been looking forward to this one for quite some time now. Well, essentially since Thursday. Yeah. Well, you know, live every day like it's your last. You know, leave it all out there on the field. You know, yeah. All those motivational yep. stuff. YOLO. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Not yeah. that motivational. Hashtag really. YOLO. Yeah. We need to need to calm down because otherwise people are going to be so motivated they're going to leave their jobs. I'm like, do you ever read that crap on Twitter? You know, these people that follow these accounts and uh, do you know? Do you know? Actually, hold on. The worst one I've seen about someone talking muck on Twitter was uh, one on my timeline and she was like she interns so she does she's doing a journalism degree and she interns for certain sports companies which is free work okay yeah um, and she says um, now she's very modest by the way and I'm just going to put a caveat in there so you have to read between the lines here she says I'm living proof that dreams can come true just look at me and she named like you know this from college that and now I'm working in the best job in the world blah 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 and I'm like going, yeah because you said hi can I work for free please and they said yeah sure you can hold the water bottles or you know hold a mic <laughs> or something like that the other time for the guy who speaks on camera but Ryan but state, state, state. look her at her dream, living proof the dream, the dream may have been to work for nothing <laughs> and right? be laughed at you yeah. know but yeah, yeah wow online. that's inspirational dude online anyway I think we should get to the real what do you podcast want to talk about? Bands. The podcast bands here. Tell us about the playoffs, buddy. You can't, you can't lead up to this stuff and, and miss serious radio appointments here to go to the playoffs without talking about what happened in the playoffs. Yeah, your... well, the, the playoffs, oh, well, we had some success. So essentially, um, there's a couple of websites that write about flag football and uh, one of them had us down to lose our first round game and oh. the other one had it down to go to overtime and for us to narrowly out the win okay um but coventry rocked up and we destroyed them i think it was about 50 52 12 something like that so uh yeah and i scored believe it or not this 19 stone receiver over here managed to score a touchdown on a streak up the left sideline so even even the fat dude can fly um (laughs) but unfortunately then we we met up with uh london rebels in the next round and uh well, we just went on the same class as them, and they they beat us quite quite easily, unfortunately. So uh, we didn't put up enough of a fight. And what was the score for the London game? There you uh, say. I think it was eighteen a zip. That's not too bad, though. Like yeah. I know you didn't score, but I mean eighteen zip is you know. We put up a bagel, unfortunately, which is always disappointing. But uh, you know that's fine. So I think that made us out to be what the sixth best team in the south, something like that. Right. And uh, come here, the, the playoffs then, is this like a, they call it a blitz here in Ireland with the GA, where they all meet and they play effectively mm-hmm. the playoffs and the final, everything on the same day. Is that how it works? Like was the champion crown that day? No. So I think what happens is you essentially get two finalists from the playoffs, okay, mm. in the south and two finalists from the playoffs in the north. Um, and then they'll meet on finals day and there'll be like the two 
semi-finals mm. and then the final uh, and then then we'll get our national champion right Fair enough. so yeah so well, yeah we didn't make it commiserations but uh are, am i not a, a golf widow anymore a, a flag widow are you back full-time now uh well yeah so we've got the next well we basically got a month off training and then we go back to training but look i was thinking what about this just just for the listeners out there and for any other flag football guys so out of players that we know mm. okay we've got tom davy at um calderdale knights we got dave scalehorn at the manchester crows we have uh, rob connor i think at the manchester crows we've got Andy Davies up at the um, Chicago Blackhawks. Where was I coming from there? Um, the Newcastle Blackhawks. Mm. And, and of course, uh, me and a guy called Chris Beckford that play for the play for the Spartans. So, and they're just the ones I know. What if at some point we could put together a crack UK and Irish team? Now we've got the jerseys and we enter a tournament. I mean, that could be the big off-season meet-up, couldn't it? You see, you've left out one important player here, an undrafted rookie from... I know, I know. I was just naming the players that currently play flag, but we know we have a, what, a 30-man squad yeah. already. So if the big man wants to come over from Ireland and, and let us see those silky skills, then... But what do you reckon? I'm all about it. We should get any offspring of Andy Davies as well, just happen to be super talented, so... <laughs> you know it's like his kids are like you know Ned Stark and Jon Snow I mean he just pops them out and they're just amazing to begin with so his son was fairly handy uh, back in the day back in the day you know good I hands just, I, don't, I don't know if you picked that up on the mic but I just broke half the studio yeah I picked so, that up yeah I tried to go on yeah. like a pro but then you, you 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 put it on the pod you put it on the pod for I, know, I just thought I'd put it on there Let, warts and all as Oliver Cromwell said did he? Um, yes didn't like the guy uh, to Heller to Connacht. Uh, not a nice guy over in Ireland. It's not a topic I thought we were bringing up. I'm just checking my pre-pod notes now, and uh, it didn't feature. No. Um, yeah. So yeah, my bad. Sorry. Yeah, that's. Uh, well, come here. Uh, from I was going to try to do a segue from Oliver Cromwell to the Packers, <laughs> which would be uh, you know that's the kind of stuff that you need to write down for 40 minutes uh, before. But we have family nights. We've more training camp stories. Anything tickle your fancy? Well, there's a there's a few, isn't there? There's a couple of people starting co- to compete for spots that maybe we thought were locked down. I'm thinking running back position. I know you you want to talk about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as well the is it a story? The issue with the missing all the field goals. Oh, the issue at the end of Family Gardener. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the problem there? Um, I think that's a big one because let's face it, special teams unit, particularly kicker punt a long snapper has been our favourite off season topic now for at least the last three years. Yeah. So, uh, you know, can't get enough of that. So, and um, I think as well, one that I, I spotted that I thought was quite nice, Richard Rogers, with a with a beautiful catch at, at Family Night as well. Just just maybe reminding people that he's still on the roster and he's, <laughs> yeah. he still means business. Yeah, because I it, I don't know who had the article, but someone had an article like the Forgotten Man of you know whatever and they were talking about Lance Kendricks and I was like well the forgotten forgotten man is Richard Rogers he's over there going hello you know like Marty B with the cheese head Lance Kendricks trying Brilliant. to eke his way in Richard uh. Rogers can't even get on the forgotten man list because I genuinely forgotten <laughs> how can you forget that guy with that 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 play yeah he will he will always be there now in Packers folklore and he's still you know a player that's very very good yeah. Um, and we'll still have a big part to play on this roster this year, you know. Especially if you start to see more 
uh, double double tight end sets, um, then he's going to be he's going to be in there at some point doing something. So uh, remember, he still gives you that that big receiving threat, and he's he's a bit smaller. Than maybe this, the other two tight ends. I don't have any measurements in front of me, but you kind of get he's he's almost like an oversized receiver yeah. than than a full on tight end. So he's still got. I would think in certain in certain matchups and against certain defenses and so on, he's got a he's got a job to play. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, look, if you're gonna scheme, if you're another defense of a different team, if you're gonna scheme, you're gonna scheme for Kendricks, you're gonna st- scheme for Bennett. The amount of tape that they must have on these guys is is colossal. Uh, they're putting the fear of God in the league, but you know why not bring in Richard Rogers, confuse things, mix things up a little bit, and uh, when you have a guy like Bennett, like we saw with Jared Cook right last season, where. He was more important just that he was on the field because he used to drag defenders away and create this kind of vacuum in there in coverage. So that's exactly what we need with the likes of Bennett and Kendricks. It's the same almost with the running game. As much as the Packers like to say, we want to get a running game going. Yes, you do, but only really to complement the passing game. It's never going to be your go-to. I know that sounds obvious because Aaron Rodgers is there, but there's nothing more lethal than the play-action pass. And when we get that stuff going and you have to make them stack the box to uh, respect, especially on short downage, Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that's when you're going to get Aaron Rodgers ripping off ripping off a big one but do we talk about the uh, and I'm going to put this uh, air quotes again let's get the bunnies going let's get the bunnies going Ryan <laughs> air quotes there you go Doing it. don't turn Doing them it. around bro uh, this uh, <laughs> field goal kicking unit issue is it an issue I believe this well, came in on the Twitter too right yeah I think um, a number of guys sort of spoke about this um, and it's only an issue as much as we want to make it an issue if that makes sense yeah. um, again remember there's not many stories out there um, but let's face it he did miss I think it was was it six out of seven Yeah. Uh, and I know Scotty Mann and Callum Thompson were both on Twitter talking about this and asking questions and you know how, do, how much does it matter um, essentially there's nothing wrong with Mason Crosby so let, let's Let's tick him off the list. He's all right. Mm. Um, this is the first time that the three players, obviously they've done it in training, but this is the first time now they've been in a stadium in front of a lot of people. And whilst you can't completely uh, replicate the, the the sort of real game pressure, it was more of a real game environment last yeah. uh, that night. So they, they hadn't been in there before. Now, there were certain timing issues. It was said, I think Mike McCarthy came out and said it wasn't smooth. Um, I think that's all it is. It's a case of just getting more reps at doing it, and they'll they'll go away now and fix that. And I don't think you see that problem again. However, if they do, if uh, the long snapper is the issue, um, there's going to be plenty of long snappers out there. They're, they're kind of you maybe have one on a team, um, and that's it. So that's 32 in the whole league. Mm. There's going to be plenty of guys out there that can long snap. Well, Brett um, Good is still available. Brett Good is, yeah, he's still out there. You know that he's only a phone call away if they should need it. Um, Bogle's doing a very nice job punting, so hopefully he can get the holding thing down. If not, do you look at a backup quarterback coming and doing it? You know, I remember still in my head pictures of uh, Brett Favre holding a kick once. Um, you know, it, uh, other backup quarterbacks have done it in the past. It's not necessarily have to be. The punter, although at this late stage it probably will be, they'll get things ironed out, and I think it won't be an issue. Uh, I imagine all three of them will be on the on the roster. Yeah, because you're talking about the the support team for Mason Crosby, long snapper, um, and the holder being the punter, uh, Justin Vogel, both undrafted rookies. With the you know the main word being rookies more than anything else, and the fact that they're undrafted, 
mm-hmm. says a lot about it, you know. And I just found it was interesting. More telling about anything else was kind of Vogel's comments. I love in one of the articles I read, it said that Hart was not available for comment after practice. <laughs> I was kind of like, uh, yeah, because he's like, I'm not sticking around. There's no way I'm sticking around for this. I'm off. So we left. Uh, as you said, Hard Ryan. And this is something that we questioned with Vogel as well, because we'd heard so much about how the Packers was the perfect opportunity for him. He was going to come in and try eke Shum out. That ended up happening because Shum got that back injury and left. He got cut because I believe he was due for some big bonus money had he stayed on past a certain date. So they cut mm-hmm. him fairly handy. Uh, from seeing Justin Vogel and and looking at his tape and all this type of stuff, the Packers obviously confident enough to just have this kid on the on the roster. Now, the stuff that we thought that he'd have problems with would have been his punting because there was that phrase that we used when the bright lights come on in Lambeau, you know, can he do the business? There was over 63,000 people in Lambeau and they're all, like, it's a good atmosphere as well. It's not as if, you know, half of those people are looking at you you know wanting you to to screw up everyone's in there supporting you but all yeah. four punts that he took uh from around midfield he got in the 15 yard line and he averaged 44.8 yards he's looking good he is he's looking really good and then the hang time he's putting on them was pretty good and then the punts from within his own 30 are excellent with the hang time so he's doing what he should do as a punter but he's whatever happened with the unit they're off i wouldn't worry about mason crosby and it seems that vogel is even saying that you know, in his quotes, he talks about that Mason's been in the league a long time and that there's a lot of variables that kind of go into it, which is worrying to think. And it's only now, isn't it, that you kind of get an insight into how difficult some of this stuff is? Because when the kicker comes on, and, and I've said this to Mason when we had him on the podcast, he's been on the podcast a couple of times now, I said, you know, that people just expect you to make the kick. And when he brought us through his his process, you're kind of thinking, Jesus, this is actually an awful lot more nuanced than we think it is it's not just going out and kicking and scrambling and that's why you'll find that an awful lot of really adept you know rugby place kickers if you want to call them um you know johnny sexton's and the like ronan o'gara was rumored to be going to the miami dolphins they don't make it over because it's an awful lot more difficult than you know kicking from angles on a rugby field the ball's different the angles are different what you're expected to do is different and we've seen that rugby player where was he from new zealand or australia who'd went over and played for the niners for a while and they said that, oh, he's a, you know, he's a tackling expert. He's going to be great. And sure, I don't, I don't know if... I'm pretty sure he's been cut he off played, the I think he played one season, did all right, and then decided to go back to rugby. Um, yeah. Bit strange. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be one to watch just to see because Vogel was saying in some of his quotes to reporters after the game that, you know, he kind of alluded to the fact... It's like everyone kind of... Because this is what I got. I'm sorry for falling off myself here. As an undrafted rookie... Uh, the PR department obviously get to you but you're a bit more unpolished so the stuff he was coming out with in front of the media was very telling I found it's kind of yeah. like he was kind of almost not I don't want to start shit talking here but it, he wasn't blaming Hart about the long snap but he was like look whatever comes back to me I just have to deal with and put down that's my job so that might allude to the fact that some of the snaps he was getting back wasn't great and then when he did put them yeah. down he'd alluded to the fact that uh, Crosby he kept saying this word he wanted to make adjustments on the fly so he kept telling them like no you need to be doing this so obviously something was wrong and Mason being experienced as he is was saying no if this happens this is what you need to do trying to make adjustments and it wasn't working and it really knocked him out of his flow but lastly as well it was sort of telling that Vogel was turning around saying you know I haven't spoke to him yet we're going to have to look at the tape and find out what went wrong and it's that kind of communication thing will show you Ryan that it can be concerning if you're in game-like conditions during the season and you're trying to make mm-hmm. adjustments on the fly and it's not working and how much time that you have to be able to discuss it and sort it out as a unit if it's really not working on the day 
and yeah. they need to they need to iron the stuff out but i love mike mccarthy in typical uh fashion he's quote that's a great training opportunity he never looks at any negatives and is like oh this is crap he's like no yeah. there you go that's a coaching uh, opportunity right there like so typical mike mccarthy I did think, though, in maybe slight contrast, I thought the fact that Justin Vogel came out and answered questions showed actually uh, a maturity and, a, and almost a, a leadership, you know, and, and, he, and, he, and he quite happily answered questions on the issue and, and tried to sort of address them. Yes, I think there was maybe a hidden message or two in there, um, but he did come out in front up and, um, you know, that, that I thought that showed a maturity to do that. So we'll see. Look, I, I do believe... It's not going to be an issue going forward and it'll all get fixed up. Obviously, that's what they're going to be working on now in, in training. At the end of the day, what else does a long snapper and a kicker have to work on? <laughs> yeah, they've done pretty well up to now, like they said. I mean, they had 26 out of 27 kicks going into family night. And Mason Crosby as well, he's coming off an absolutely record-breaking season. 86.7% of his field goals made. He had that streak in the postseason as well, which ended with the NFC Championship game miss. Um, and then he mm-hmm. nearly missed it again that wobbly one that went back in um, and again we spoke to him about that on the podcast like this, these are the type of stuff that he doesn't even pay attention to he just goes out goes through his process the last time we saw a bit of a mare and this was highlighted by Rob Domofsky on ESPN was the family night 2013 where he went 3 of 8 and that was pretty worrying that's when they brought in uh, Giorgio Tavecchio I believe and uh, that season in 2012 was his career low you know 63.6% of field goals made but like we looked into that at the time and we saw that an awful lot of the field goals that he was being expected to make was from massive distances because the Packers that year you know and Mike McCarthy and the rest were were asking him to you know claw back points in a game that they were down by by making him kick just crazy long field goals instead of bringing on the punting unit now whether that was a vote of you know a kind of a lack of confidence in the punter at the time or whether they really needed those points but the field goals were long so look I don't think there's anything to worry about he drilled one from 45 yards on family night and it seems to be more about Vogel and Hart, you know, getting their legs, their sea legs, than anything else. Uh, but again, Brian, it's the off season. Uh, you know, effectively, you know, I know we're coming into the, the well, I don't know if you can call it the off season now with the Hall of Fame game after being played at the preseason. But uh, yeah, it's it's a talking point only because people don't have a whole lot to talk about. Yeah, it was certainly getting ironed out. And uh, let's let's face it, another thing possibly getting ironed out right now would be the kick and the or the punt returner. Mm. Um, there's certainly been some news around that, which is interesting, uh, mainly relating to Trevor Davis, yeah, who you... apparently... Go on. Sorry, you you added me in a tweet earlier on in the week saying, Seastie, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> I remember the yeah. Tennessee game. I was like, bro. Yeah, yeah. On, well, was, we mentioned it, obviously, on a previous uh, on a podcast, and we had a bit, of a bit of a joke about it and said that he was never seen again. Um, and there was some truth to that. But yeah, so I think it was Zook came out and said basically that it wasn't his fault and there should have been a penalty and blah, blah, blah. And so that's why I tweeted you and said, you know, it wasn't his fault. Um, but it turns out that in the offseason, he was working on punt and kickoff returns and catches and everything else that comes with it and, you know, change of direction and speed work. And he was doing all of that and he was videoing it and uh, and he sent them to Ron Zook. Yeah. Now, I kind of thought, oh, here we go. <laughs> We're really trying to find some stuff again. But Ron Zook actually comes out and goes in all the time that he's been coaching. It's the first time a player has basically sent tape to one of his coaches to say, look, I'm working on it. I'm getting better. Yeah. And you know the most shocking part about it? So I, I've heard that and I was like, as like, like what you said, it's kind of, oh, here we go, another non-story. Like, 
you know, guy who's, you know, made a mistake in his job, wants to prove he's not crap. And I was kind of thinking, yeah, so does everybody. But have a guess what year Ron Zuck started his coaching career. Go on. 1978. Mm, quite so some time. You're talking 1978. Now, I looked into it and uh, the amount of teams that he played for, and I was thinking, there's probably a reason why, um, you know, a player's never sent him tape of him catching balls before because he's mostly been coaching defense. So Murray State, defensive backs. <laughs> Cincinnati, defensive coordinator. Kansas, defensive coordinator. Tennessee, defensive backs. And most of them are defensive backs, defensive coordinators. But I suppose, credit to him, he's been a special teams coordinator now for the Packers, assistant special team since 2014, of course. Uh, head coach for Illinois, head coach for Florida before that, and then special teams for the Steelers back in the, from 96 to 98. And, you know, of course, his college career goes back. He's been head coaches and special teams coaches and all the rest. So I don't want to be too hard on him and sort of dump all over him by saying, yeah, well, you know, if you have a defensive back then and falls about catching tape, it's like, can I, can I, you know, audition for wide receiver, please? No, I, I think he meant, I think he meant generally just tape in general. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing I would question as well, if, if he's been coaching since uh, 1978, yeah. um, was Facebook Live? Uh, available for its users in 1978 and may- maybe that was a reason why it wasn't <laughs> right. quite as easy to send some yeah. tape back then yeah um you know have to get the old vhs out and send that off or the beta max i think right probably back then yeah um so yeah maybe maybe that's what it was but i think as well though it did mention that he has still actually muffed a catch in in training camp um as well i saw so I don't know. Are you sold on this guy? Do you would you feel confident if we first game this season we go out and it's uh, number eleven stood back there doing it? Because I mean he needs this. We've already spoke about the competition at wide receiver, and if one of those receivers can go, I can also return kicks, um, or you know I can I can also be a gunner on a kickoff uh, or whatever you want, want to do. If you can add those extra bits and you're sort of the fourth, fifth, sixth choice guy on a depth chart, but you've also got those other skills, you're going to stick around rather than a guy that cannot do that. So obviously he's being quite intelligent here. He's making that extra push. He's trying to say, look, I can do more than just be the fourth, fifth or sixth guy on the roster. Um, so it makes sense. But would you feel confident with number 11 lining up back there first game? I would, yeah. It's because, you know, it's always the person who it's better to be paranoid about something. It's like when someone says, oh, I was really nervous. And you're like, yeah, it's good to be nervous because it, it gets you prepared. So I think with him, because he's had these issues and because it's the best of, of both worlds for him, really, right? So he muffed the punt, was never seen again, but he has his coach coming out in the media defending him, saying it wasn't his fault. So in a way, he doesn't have... I think have... that was only after you questioned him on the podcast <laughs> to listen it, to yeah. our podcast and then had to yeah. come out and defend him. So, yeah. Yeah, so Zuck, we know you're listening, Ron. Uh, cheers for chiming in there, pal, and clearing that up for us. Uh, we appreciate it and Trev as well I know you're listening there sitting back uh, drinking a mimosa uh, listening to the pod like you usually do so shout out the big old Trev no it's good Ryan because the tape looks good uh, because he released some of it online uh, the tape looks good he's going to be super conscious about it and he's a gunner so they had Micah Hyde on it last season and he did twice as, as good as Micah Hyde in his returns so he does have the talent he definitely has the speed He's, you know, you always hear that moniker online of him sort of class as the fastest packer, which was held by Jeff Janis up until now. He was always seen as the mm-hmm. bit of a gunner. So I certainly would, yeah. I'd, I'd trust him behind there and I think that he can yeah. do some dynamic stuff. And as you say, clever to sort of gouge out a hole for himself on the team if he's not going to get it a wide receiver. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I read earlier, a 12, he's averaging 12.8 yards last year, which was mm. better. But then, of course, he dropped it and safety comes first. So, um Certainly, I think they're going to have a good look at him in the preseason games. And obviously, we're going to get to have a good look at him. Um, and then we'll see if he can win that job. And if he can win that job, then he pretty much guarantees 
his spot on the roster. So smart move. Let's see if he can do it. I hope he can because I feel, you know, again, really, and I might, I might be wrong here, but the last time I remember having an explosive returner is Randall Cobb and, you know, all, all the moves he used to make. And I kind of feel like we need somebody like that back there. Mike Hyde was very safe, did good job. Um, I'm sure other people have got involved here and there. Um, but it'd be nice to see somebody that can do it as good as Randall was doing it. Yeah, uh, but there's an awful lot of people being tested in camp. And, and one position that we always see in the news constantly is the cornerback position. Um, so we were on the Nat Coombs show, which is a great show. Uh, we might actually get Nat on our podcast soon. Um, so the cornerback position, Ryan, and, and I'd said two things. Um, both of those things have ended up in the news after I said them. So one of them was is Jamal Williams is going to really push Ty Montgomery and that his job isn't effectively safe, that, you know, he's new to the job and that all of these other running backs could really have a stab at it because they were, you know, breaking all kinds of records in their college days and that seems to be happening. And the second thing I said was, is that with Kevin King, and I, I, I name-dropped you in this as well, you were off doing your practice for the playoffs, so I name-dropped you in this um, segment to say that you have the intimidation factor here with your height how you look and I'm sure on the field um, you're hard to cover you've got elusive speed and also if you were playing defence Ryan I probably wouldn't be standing beside you for too long certainly if you stood in front of me I'd be overshadowed and that's the same thing that Kevin King has when you see a guy 6 foot 3 6 foot 4 you know you're not going to want to throw at this guy but that raises a question and Joe Witt said it I'm going to quote him here he said when you see 6 foot 3 over they're pressed up balls don't go that way uh, they go other places. So my question is, and this is what I raised on the Nakum show, he's going to act as a re- deterrent just because of his height and you might not want the chance getting that ball over a guy, especially when he's playing press man. Do you mm-hmm. think that Kevin King, his reputation, obviously he has the natural ability, I'm not saying that, and I'm not advocating this, I'm just asking the question. Like he's going to be able to slap the ball down better just by default by his height. But do you think that perhaps he hasn't been tested as much? And he's gone so high in the draft and he's been so good in college because he's like a Richard Sherman that people are even scared to go that way. And when they do, it might be out of desperation and he makes the plays. Is he tested enough for us to really slot him in as de facto number one? Uh, I I would say so. I think that team he was on, was it Washington State that he was drafted from? Yeah. Um, And obviously they had a really good year that year um, before he was drafted. Um, So they were a good defense. He got tested plenty. He stood up to it. Um, obviously, for any player coming out of college to the NFL, there's always a question of um, the step up, and that doesn't matter if you're the number one pick or the or the 200 and whatever pick. Um, you've got to make a step up, and it is different. So you go from being like one of the biggest guys in college to now being the kid back playing with the with the men essentially. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do. I think he's going to live up to it. I think, like you say, the the deterrent factor if you can call it that, the height, um, the speed he's got, um, they're going to have to be very sure throwing the ball over the top of him. So then they're going to have to come underneath him. So then you can help contain the play, keep it in front of you, ideally. So we'll see. Um, if they stay away from him, then for a defensive coordinator, they, they should be able to recognise that quite quick. I don't think you'll see that in the first season because he will still be a rookie. So I don't think you'll see people give him that much respect and that they'll stay away from him solely based on his height and length, but if they do do that, if he if he comes out and he's you know a sensation, um, and they do start to stay away from him, they start going to the other side of the field. You can put help there, 
uh, and, and that, you know, is any time you can shut down an area of the field, then your defence is doing something good. So we'll see. Um, but certainly I think, yeah, him and him and Devon House, however you want to match it up as one and two, they're going to be the starters come start of season. And I think he's more than going to step up to the challenge. Well, hopefully it's a pick your poison moment where they don't want to go near a king and that makes them kind of one-sided, one-dimensional. They obviously put their best yeah. wide receiver away from King. Now, we know that some wide receivers, the same as cornerbacks, will not play a certain side of the field. So it's going to add a very interesting dynamic. But if I was Devon House, I'd be rich. But if I was Devon House, I'd be thinking, I'm going to see an awful lot of action come my way, and he better be ready for it. But I think the fact that he's a veteran, and the fact that he's coming back to prove himself again, and the fact that he's a press man specialist is going to be brilliant because that's exactly who we need and exactly like you said they just need to put some help over the top and it's going to be great but an interesting thing that happened was is that Witt went uh, to Edgar Bennett and said to him I want Aaron Rodgers went to Rodgers I'm sure as well personally and said I want you to test King I want you to see can he cover which is an amazing thing to say is that they don't know if he can cover yet they know he's good and they've seen his tape and obviously they've scouted him effectively but the step up to the pros is different and um, on Thursday's practice, Rodgers really went after him and no better person to go after him with than Jordy Nelson. So Jordy ended up catching a nine yard out, a 16 yard slant and then a touchdown as well against him. And apparently this stuff was kind of, you know, indefensible, right? Not on King's part, like indefensible. I can't believe he let that in. But it's typical, like years and years and years of Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers chemistry. And the, I believe the touchdown was a back shoulder throw. It was either the touchdown or was that uh, 16 yard slant was a back shoulder throw. And King came out and said that he's, look, he's not too bothered about it because that stuff, the best cornerbacks in the league can't defend against two of them when they get going. But yeah. here's a concern that I had though, Ryan, like is this, because it's so public, right? Is this knocking Kevin King's confidence publicly? And is it showing other teams around the league this is what no. you need to do to beat this guy. No, I don't think so. And the problem is for any defensive player in these training camps or in training or whatever else, you've seen the way in which they tackle. They essentially get close, put hands on, give them a hug. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Right. So you can't go into what you do as a player 100% because you can't go hurtling towards them to make that, you know, to compete with the ball or to make the tackle. And then at the last minute, slow right down, just give them a hug. You know, so I feel like you can never really... They can never really be playing at the full 100%, you know? But yet for the offense, very easy for them. They, they run the ball up the field, they catch it, they run, they, no one's really going to hit them. So I wouldn't read too much into, you know, he won the ball in front of him. Plus, as you said, quite rightly, this is this is Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson we're talking about, possibly one of the best duos in the league right now. So, yeah, guess what? He, he, he got beaten on a couple of things. He's still yet to play... In a in an NFL style game, he's going to have the chance to do that in four preseason games, so he'll learn quickly enough. And that would have been used as a coaching opportunity. They'd have got in the classroom afterwards, looked at the tape. You know, some things would have been said. The veteran guys maybe come and talk. It's all part of learning. So I don't think it says anything to the rest of the league. And I think if you went to any other teams that had rookie cornerbacks or rookie players in general, they would all be making the same sort of mistakes. Um, and not even mistakes, but you know what I mean? They'll all be having the same sort of issues. There'll be nobody that's in there absolutely lighting it up unless you're a very good rookie going into a very poor team like, I don't know, the Jets or somebody, um, where you could probably go in there and be the best player on the same day. So, you know, th th this is quite normal to see this, and I don't think his confidence will be knocked, and I, I don't think anybody else will read too much into it. 
Yeah, I'm still excited about the guy, and I'm sure playing against Jordy Nelson, you're not going to want to hit that guy, because if you do, you're going to get a slap. And I think they would have been well-versed to say, don't touch the veterans, don't bring them down. And that's how most of the arguments start, is when... Sure. You know, you see a rookie or someone who goes too hard on somebody, and then you know they ended up in a bit of a spat, as if to say that's not how we operate here. So yeah, yeah I, again, it's probably one of these off-season stories that we shouldn't read too much into. But something that kind of worries me is this shoulder injury that he's been carrying since college. You know, he was wearing a harness on his left shoulder. He says it's no problem. I've been dealing with it for a while now. Um, you know, it's not it's not going to get to me. But you know, here's a guy with you know the physical tools to do big things but the fact that he has this shoulder injury Ryan I'm worried about preseason that something you know especially with rookies that he might be too overzealous go in on a tackle to really put somebody down and end up injuring us. are you worried about this guy being a, a bit of an injury risk no so I would say if it's been an injury that he's carrying for a while and he wears some sort of brace on it or strapping or whatever it might be then you might find that actually now it's just become habit to habit so I know for example when I ruptured cruciate ligaments in my knee. My knee was probably quite good, but I still used to put a brace on because I kind of had been wearing the brace and that's how I would got back. And, you know, so I probably overwore the brace. I don't wear it anymore, but you can maybe understand if he just keeps it there because it's now a feeling, a safety net, a feeling of safety for him. Um, in terms of, you know, go, going too much maybe and, and injuring anything, I think sometimes if you try and change what you do and you do something different or you don't do something 100%, quite often you can get hurt because you change the way in which you do something. You change your body shape on a tackle or whatever. So I don't think we have to worry too much. And the and the other thing to think as well is this is the NFL and there's going to be so many medical people. There's going to be physios. There's going to be doctors. There's going to be probably, probably a surgeon or they probably have so many different levels of people now involved in the team that it will be monitored and, and that he wouldn't be playing if there was any real issue there. So I think he'd be more than safe. Yeah, and it seems that, you know, he was he came in with the with the first teamers. I think it was Wednesday yeah. or Thursday, got that knock, went out, was sat out a day and then came back in again. So obviously whatever injury he has, I'm just hoping it's not one of these sort of niggling injuries that if he picks up a couple of knocks on it, it might knock him out for a while. Might be limited mm-hmm. on practice. But hey, look, as an Irishman, we had Paul McGrath, you know, dodgy knees, never used to practice, then go straight into game time and play lights out. Not that that's going to happen with Kevin King, but, you know, the human body can do great things. But speaking of someone who's going to be tested, Ryan, and I said it at the top, and I believe we have tweets on this, this running back situation is tasty. Maybe not for Ty Montgomery, but it's certainly heating up. Yeah, so you got uh, Scotty Mann brought up the question, um, basically asking if Jamal Williams could out Ty Montgomery um, was sort of the gist of it. Of course, Tom Coles jumped quite quickly in defending his boy Ty, uh, and this went backwards and forwards quite a bit. So, yeah, um, basically saying Scotty Mann's point is not not necessarily taking over for Ty as the number one running back, but did we think that maybe he could be used in the red zone situations, um, and maybe there'd, there'd be like almost a third down back or a red zone back, or there'd, there'd be some sort of role for him because of his how well he's done in camp so far. Yeah. And what do you subscribe to then? I mean, do, do you see that happening? Would you agree with Scotty? Do you agree with Tom that, you know, Ty's got, what did, what did he say? Ty's going to have I, a 1500 yard season with eight, eight touchdowns. Right. Yeah. So one of the, one of his Tom Coles's uh, comebacks here is, uh, he says that basically he's looking at 1500 yards plus and at least eight touchdowns. 
So immediately in my head, I'm thinking if you're running 1,500 yards, you should be getting more than eight touchdowns. So I don't know. I like your numbers. Obviously, Tom, if that happens, then we'll have a very successful running game. Um, I have to say, though, I'm kind of more I, – I don't like a running back by committee thing. I know, I've never really liked that because I don't feel like it gets anybody – the number one guy doesn't have the confidence because at any point it can be switched out for this person or that person. Um, it doesn't let anybody get too much of a rhythm going. If they have an off couple of drives, then they could not see another few drives for a while and then they sit on the bench and they sulk and they worry. So I don't really like it. I like a number one back that does everything. And then I think if you get down towards the goal line and you've got short yardage that you need, you use your full back. And of course, we had John Kuhn do that effectively for a number of years. And Ripkowski's doing it now even though at family night he had a, he had a fumble but let's not worry about that um he's just getting back into the swing thing so i don't kind of subscribe to this uh you know for this person for that this person for that in this situation we use that at running back at running back i like one guy that just plays and does everything um you know bring in two running backs at times so i like that as well I have a twin back thing going on and maybe maybe we could see that um but yeah, I, I don't know if I would suddenly change my guy up down in the red zone. I think you, you keep your number one guy in. If he's hot, he's hot. Yeah, and nothing pisses fantasy owners off more when you have a running back who makes it all the way down the field, plays well, and then they give the touchdown to somebody else. Um, I believe the Cardinals yeah. used to do it the whole time. Uh, it's interesting, Jamal Williams. So basically, in a running back, you're going to look for three things. One of them is that he can run the ball, obviously, secondly, and do his assignments. Secondly, is can he catch the ball? Because... They sort of say that the reason Adrian Peters' stock value fell so much, obviously, was he's old, uh, injury concerns. We've seen him with mm -hmm. that um, ACL, um, MCL injury that he had, came back, bounced back well. Uh, you know, he's, a, he's the wrong he's proximity to 30, or he's over 30. Um, and then the second one is that he's very one-dimensional, that he can't catch the ball. So nowadays what you need is, is you need a running back who can run and catch. You need them to be that sort of that dual threat. We certainly have that on Ty Montgomery with him being a wide receiver in the past. But the third thing you look for is, is can he pick up the pass protection? You know, can he come in and defend number 12? And that's something that Jamal Williams has done very well. And obviously what they're going to work on in, in practice is going to be the blitz. So can they pick up? You know, the blitzer, can he do enough job to get that, get his hands on him to deflect him, if not put him down straight away? And apparently Jamal Williams has been very adept at that so far in training. And that's what's really setting him apart. And they say he's more NFL ready because of that, because, you know, mm -hmm. and as well, Ron, it's going to be different when they go and, and hit the regular season because the defenses that they have can even confuse Tom Brady, the supposed unconfusable quarterback when it comes to coverage you know like he sort of says that they have there's all these words like phantom and all this type of stuff so whether a rookie running back can deal with the speed that he's going to see from these linebackers um you know and safeties and cornerbacks if they're coming on the blitz as well so yeah jamal williams has been incredibly good at that and again i do think that time on camera not skating on thin ice like he's done anything wrong but he's certainly going to be pushed and i think that's going to be very good for the running backs in the sense that it's going to drive Ty Montgomery because hopefully it won't have a negative impact to say that he's always jittery. We heard that about the Irish rugby team, for instance, that some of them are almost afraid to pass because if they took a pass and fumbled it, 
you know, they get absolutely eaten when they get to the sidelines and that it sort of restrict how they play. They didn't have that free-flowing play uh, with Joe Schmidt. So It's just because you're not a very good rugby team. Well, you know, we stopped a certain team from uh, getting the grandstand. I won't go there. So <laughs> the thing is, uh, maybe a while back. But um, so <laughs> the thing is, is that it might drive the running backs in the best way. And certainly, if Ty Montgomery isn't up to the pressure, Jamal Williams so far, and it's only preseason, can maybe slot into that role. Unfortunately, and I know you said that you don't like it, I think it will be running back by committee. I think that the Packers will just go with whatever running back is going to give them that spark at that time. They're both very similar as well, I think, that they're both opportunistic runners. Uh, we've heard that Jamal Williams has done very well in the preseason and offseason in you know finding that gap and squeezing in there. Um, but how we'll see the offensive line hold up uh, with new personnel in there, people switching around, um, will be interesting to see. But I don't know, Tom, if you're going to get that production from Ty Montgomery. I reckon the effectiveness of the running backs will only lend itself to the play action and we're going mm-hmm. to see sort of, you know, a largely big part play from the running backs. I don't know if any of our running backs will top a thousand yards. That's my prediction. What about you? Ooh. I don't make predictions. No? No, not on running backs. Look, that's basically because I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> look, this ties in quite nicely whilst we're talking about some of the new players on the squad. Uh, Jill, Jill asks, which rookie are you most looking forward to watching in the first preseason game on Thursday? Hmm. So I, I have a feeling for you, because you've talked quite a lot about him, it could be Kevin King, but I might be wrong. Yeah, no, I would. I was going to say Jamal Williams just to see what he's like. Uh, but Kevin King, certainly, because it seems he hasn't even been tested effectively in practice mm-hmm. that they're, you know, they're trying to test this guy now and say, Aaron, just throw at him. Certainly he's the one to see. I want to see, first off, do the, uh, let's face it, they're going to be backup quarterbacks, so he might get some nice action here. Is that, will he throw his direction with his height? Will he be a natural deterrent? And we'll see that straight away. Um, yeah. Because that's, that's going to be the first thing that they'll see, especially as backups, right? They'll see this big tall guy and say, screw that, I'm not going there. So I'm going to be very interested to see him, certainly, Ryan. Um, who are you going for? Well, you might want to get out your hipster. Oh. Uh, I don't know whether we've got a hipster horn, we should call it. Um, but I'm actually going to go for Reggie Gilbert, at outside linebacker, because by all accounts, he's been doing very well in training camp. I think it's a position where there's a chance to do something. Um, really outside of Clay Matthews and Nick Perry. Um, I feel like the rest of it's kind of open for anybody to get up there and prove a point. Um, and I think obviously because it's preseason as well, you'll see a lot of those types of guys on the field. So keep an eye on Reggie Gilbert. I think he could do something. Yeah, there you go. I tell you, that, that uh, beard you're going to have now, you're going to start waxing that into like a little handlebar moustache and you're going to wear a fedora and tweed. Yeah. Well... Dude, if we go to the Packers game and we're sat in the press box, then I was thinking of getting a fedora with the little press card in it, just just for bants. Bants, yeah. Yeah, just be very English about it all. Hashtag bants. Well, have you got any more Twitter questions out there? Because these are fun. Should should we go through these? Okay. So, uh, all right. So, tying nicely to then your your guy that you're looking most forward to then. Uh, Question from George Fountain, member number 243. I do like it when they hashtag their member numbers. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you haven't done that, do it. It's very cool. Mm. We're setting a trend. So uh, he says, who makes the biggest impact on our defense this year? Uh, King Kevu, which I'm guessing is Kevin King's uh, Twitter handle. Josh Jones, 11, Devon House, or Casey Belt That Life, who is, of course, Kenny Clark. Yeah. 
Well, if you're listening to the media, it's going to be Kenny Clark, but I don't think so. Uh, Kevin King, I'm going to say, I don't know. Hopefully, he will make an impact, but if he can stay healthy, uh, I have this worried feeling that with that shoulder injury that that might come back and haunt him a little bit during the season I'm gonna go Rollins uh, Quinton Rollins apparently Ooh. yeah right he's not there hips to horn right uh, so we hear from all that the media sounded a bit like a, that sounded a bit like the Vikings horn yeah we gotta, didn't like that at all no. yeah sorry can't use that lol Vikings so <laughs> I'm thinking uh, Quinton Rollins because according to Joe okay. Witt He's he's doing the best in, in training camp. He's doing the best out of all the cornerbacks that are playing. Now, and apparently, and this is brilliant, uh, he asked Rollins, where do you want to play? Do you know, do you want to play the slot or do you want to play outside? He gave him the option. And he said he turned around and said, I don't care. And he said that's the perfect answer because he'll just play wherever he's put. And he's making a big impact. He had the same groin injury as Randall. And he seems to like have really dropped off this camp. There's not a whole lot being said about him, which is really bad for Demarius Randall, who I believe was our first round pick two years ago, in 2015. Um, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong on that. I don't think. No, you're correct. Yeah, and Rollins wasn't take too far after that. I don't think. So I mean, you know, if anyone's going to be doing the business, it should have been Randall. But yeah, Rollins. I think Rollins could potentially make this biggest impact and have a comeback year from that groin injury. Yeah. Oh, well, fair enough. Okay, so uh, another question then from uh, Brian A, who I think is Brian Aspin, or it used to be, hashtag number 99, member number 99, so good number. Um, he says, has Ryan decided to get a tattoo yet, or is he still a bit scared? What does laughing that mean? emoji, laughing emoji, laughing emoji. Well, I'll be honest with you, I've never had a tattoo so I am a little bit scared of it, but I also cannot find a designer one. And I think, I, to be fair, the only thing I know that will stay in fashion is essentially a Green Bay design. So I'm trying to find a decent Green Bay design of some sort. So there you go. That's why it hasn't happened yet. 50% scared, 50% don't know what to get. Do I wade into the tattoo debate and piss probably you 70% can, but... of people off who are listening who have tattoos? Do it. I say this and every time I say it and I say it online and I don't do it anymore the wave of hate I get uh, it's amazing that if you call a tattoo stupid someone who's got to put on them irreversibly and permanently get a little bit annoyed about it tattoos nah I was going to get a tattoo across my shoulder blades went in and priced it and all it was a dragon right it would have been cool I was going to get that and then I said no and now when I look at it I just think it's a bit ridiculous. I have a few mates who have tribal tattoos and you're not in a tribe. You're not from the Maori. You're not down in New Zealand. So what tribe are you in? You're, you know, the tattoo tribe. It's a bit ridiculous. And these people who get tattoos of, oh, I just want to put this tattoo on for Whiskers, my favourite cat. Whiskers, miss you, bruv. You know, like if you're going to get a tattoo of your cat, really? Like if you love them that much, would you need to get permanently inked to show that Whiskers is gone? I mean, would you not remember? It's like when someone says, oh, well, this means a lot to me. So they got a tattooed on them. Write it down, love. Stick it in your wallet. If it's that important, you shouldn't need to tattoo it on your forehead. That's just how I'm, that's just how I feel about it. Okay. Well, um, I think I think we know how you feel on it then. So, uh, okay. How do you are you actually going to get a tat, or have you actually have you went I, out and got I, a tat? I am going to get. Gonna... I am going to get one. I am going to get one. I just don't know what. And maybe if we get drunk enough in Green Bay, we walk past a tattoo shop. Then you never know what could happen. Um, but moving on to another question, a quick one from Sean McGrinder. Uh, 
will you be setting up a fantasy football league this year? Well, we have done every year, but what we do tend to do is leave it quite late, but we will be doing it in the next uh, week or so. And basically what we'll do is we'll set up a league. We usually just tweet out that league and the league's password. And then somebody will tweet and say, that one's full now. And we knock out another one and we knock out another one. And we just carry on doing it like that. Um, we do it on NFL.com because I believe for any new players, it's probably the easiest format to use. Um, I know there's been suggestions of doing ESPN ones with full defenses and and, and and all sorts, but we try and keep it simple so everybody can play. Um, and the other thing I'd say on, on fantasy football, guys, is if you do sign up, make sure you play because that can be very frustrating. By the time you get to the fourth league and the fifth league and people are going, yeah, we'll sign up, and then you get one guy in there going, no one else is playing, it's just me, <laughs> you know? Um, so if you're doing it, great, sign up, let's do it. Um, they will be out in the next week or so. Yeah, but we um, should probably go on. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I was just saying, like the reason we don't set them up now is, is if you had went and drafted Jordy Nelson in your first round a couple of years ago, I mean, it's not playing. So that's what happens. You get people who pick up injuries, unfortunately, in the preseason in training camp. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's what happens. We don't set them up, and like you said, uh, with people not playing, we often thought, didn't we, to maybe put a bit of a wager on it so that to make people pay into a bucket and uh, at the end you know you just get the takings from if there's 10 players in it they all pay five quid but then they get the 50 quid at the end of it so that might incentivize people to keep on playing and yeah one i mean the... we could do that with a signed item you know we could maybe mm. do a paid league if people mm-hmm. are if people want to do that where at the end the the winner will get a signed jersey yeah let's do it we could we could look into that but there's two ball lakes that we have when it comes to fantasy one Go on is that uh, we say, right, we need everyone to be there at the live draft because auto draft sucks that we need people to be there. And then they're not. And you have two guys in there and then, you know, someone who's, everyone else is on the auto draft and then they come in bitching and moaning about that they didn't know when it was on. And second off is when we fill 20 leagues and we've tweeted out ad nauseum for four weeks and then someone comes in and goes, got an idea for you, lads. Why don't you do fantasy football? And we're like... That happens every year. Every year. Every year. Without fail. But we will get them set up. Yeah, we will. Um, so back to should we get back to some more some more serious questions? Let's do it. Let's take two okay. more if we have two. Okay, we have two more, and they are they are on some around the league issues. Right. So, uh, firstly, um, Callum Thompson says, "How desperate does an organisation need to be to think bringing in Cutler for a year sounds like the best option?" Um, I know my opinions on this. I'm going to give you a chance to go first. Okay. Well, look, Jay Cutler is a joke and he was one of the best players for the Packers over the last couple of years. However, he's still a serviceable quarterback. He can still bring you out from the basement. The Bears never ended up with a 1-15 season with Jay Cutler at the helm. You know, he still made a stab at it and did an effort. He still has that experience. He's far better than any backups that you can have out there. And the only problem with him is is that the price you're going to have to pay to bring him back might be a bit high. Yeah, so I did see a number of 13 million. I don't don't know because it's very hard, isn't it, on Twitter what is what is real and what is in Trump's words, fake news. Um, but there is some sort of method here behind what seems like madness. Now, I think what you have to consider straight away is Matt Moore of the Miami Dolphins is probably one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. Okay. And there'll be people in Packers fans say, oh, Brett, Brett Hundley. What well, you got to remember with Brett Hundley, he hasn't really proved it in, in real football. It's been preseason. Whereas Matt Moore has proved it in real football and I think he played I might be wrong on this was he back up at the Panthers 
and then came over to Miami and he's been the backup there. So he's got, if, if the Panthers isn't right, don't kill me on that one. But he's got some serious experience. And, and, and actually, there's, there's people saying, well, why wouldn't you just have Matt Moore do it? Okay, then, of course, there's the Kaepernick camp, and we'll get onto that later because we've got a question about Kaepernick. But Jay Cutler actually makes sense because Adam Gase is now the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, and he was the OC at the Bears in 2015 when Jay Cutler posted a season that is probably one of his best, a 64.4% completion, 3,659 yards, 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and a, and a quarterback rating of 92.3 for the season. Okay, under Adam Gase as his co coordinator. So there's some sense in there that obviously Adam Gase now needs somebody. If he's going to bring in somebody from outside of the organization, he needs to bring in somebody that he's familiar with, um, f familiar with his system, uh, someone that he's familiar with in he'll know how to make Jake to cut the tick. And he, and he did that in 2015. So he, and he's also got to get somebody that can come in and very quickly get going because obviously now, we are about to start the first round of preseason games. So Jay Cutler does make a lot of sense for what they're doing. Um, and the other thing that's probably good is, as you said, Jay Cutler's used to throwing to people in green. So hopefully if the Miami Dolphins are wearing their green jerseys, it might all just work out well. Um, but actually it's not. It's maybe as much as we do like to have a joke and a, and a laugh about it, Jay Cutler could do do very well there. Well, no, nah, that's harsh. That's, that's unreal. He could, he, he could do averagely well yeah. there. Um, but yeah, and if of course it doesn't work out, they do still have Matt Moore, um, who's a very capable backup. So it does make some sense. You write how much is it going to cost? And the other thing to consider as well, I don't know how the TV contracts work. Um, obviously, if he was playing for another team now, there'd have to be a deal sorted out. He must have signed a contract with uh, with uh, I can't remember which station it is that he's he's with, but um, he must have had to sign a contract. Um, so they'll have to get those things worked out. But I imagine his lawyers will get that all sorted out pretty quick. Well, the interviews at the time when he signed the uh, TV contract, I think it was implied that there was something in there that if he does get the call up, he can just drop it and go back to football. And nice. I said he, he definitely done. He was like, yeah, you know, it's the most unconvincing thing ever. You know, did you cheat on me? No. You know, it's, it doesn't really uh, wash. So <laughs> I'd say so we'll see him back in uniform. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. So Jackie Steed comes up with another quarterback question from around the world, um, or from around the league, I mean. <laughs> he asks about well, the German quarterback situation yeah, in the Rhinefire. Yeah. It's, it's been a long weekend. Um, he says, what is your take on the Colin Kaepernick situation? And that's where it kind of links in here, because uh, many people are saying Kaepernick's a better quarterback than Cutler. Um, obviously, recently as well, you've seen the Ravens, take a look at him and then decide to uh, sign an unknown arena league quarterback instead. Um, and I think it's quite, what is it? It's, it's, uh, it's a very emotive, emotional subject, this, isn't it? Um, because I don't really know, and I see this could this probably get hatred to me for this one as well, but I don't really know what he did wrong to warrant this sort of blackout from NFL teams. Do you think that's uh, what it is? In, in terms of like do you so, think he's getting blacked out or do people just not want to sign I think he's on essentially yeah some sort of like you know he's been blacklisted hasn't he by, by all the NFL he's a good enough quarterback to play in this league and I think that's the two camps on this situation isn't it there's those that will have you believe that it's got nothing to do with the stand he took against 
um, you know, with, with kneeling through the national anthem and the stand that you took against the issues. Uh, and then there's those that believe um, it's because he's not a good enough quarterback to be starting in this league. Well, I, I just don't get that. I think he's definitely a good enough quarterback. He's been to a Super Bowl in recent years. There's many quarterbacks in the league right now that haven't done that. There's many backups that haven't done that. Um, and he's definitely, he definitely could still play in this league. So he must have been basically vetoed from teams because of the stand he took where he was trying to campaign against a very real uh, problem in the United States of America. And he actually used his place to, as, as, a, as an icon or as a national figure, um, as, as the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. And he actually tried to use that to highlight an issue. Now, people might disagree with the way in which he did it, but the message which he was conveying, that I can't see the issue with it. When, let's remember, we just let the likes of Joe Mixon into the league to play after all he did. And yet we're going to forgive that and accept that and allow him to play. But Colin Kaepernick tried to highlight a very real problem that affects millions of Americans. And he did it in a way which, okay, it was very public, but it was him on his own. He didn't disrupt anything. It was just him making a stand and others maybe then chose to join him. Um, he's also a guy that's donated millions of dollars to charities and all different types of charities. And this seems like generally quite a good guy being blacklisted because of something that seems really not that big a deal. Yeah, well, if I can jump in. So that's taking the assumption that he is blacklisted. And I don't know if he's being blacklisted or blackballed by people. This is a guy who was in San Francisco who had to compete with Blaine Gabbard for the starting job and was worse than Blaine Gabbard. So if anyone wants to pretend that, oh, this guy is a starter, like you said, he went to the Super Bowl, but he went to a Super Bowl in the season where Alex Smith effectively got them there and then he was dropped and Kaepernick took over. He was an unknown entity at the time in the sense that, you know, he had this threat with the run and it even came out after that that, you know, he said like, oh, you know, this guy does the read option and he just, he runs when he sees that what the defense are doing. He's able to read the defense. He came out after and said that most of those runs were designed runs. He wasn't reading anything. He was just told to run the ball and he did it. You know, and sort of this, that's what he did. He ran all over us for years and that's because we couldn't handle a quarterback who was very mobile. So yeah, I believe back then he took over from Alex Smith. No one had tape on him. He was good with his arm that year. He had good weapons to, to get mm -hmm. San Fran as far as they got. And the fact that he was on these designed runs, which were made look like read option, meant that defenses tried to, you know, hide the blitz and do all these inventive stuff to stop Kaepernick from spying to see what they were doing, when in fact he wasn't doing any of that anyway. All yeah. of this sort of political stuff aside, he played with Blaine Gabbert. The guy used to throw himself on the ground when he played for the Jags. You know, the phantom rusher. He used to just dive onto the ground because he couldn't hack it. Blaine Gabbard was a was a fantastic quarterback in college. He broke all kinds of records and then he got to the pros and just couldn't deal with it because he was behind a shitty uh, Jaguar O-line who got him bet up. And Kaepernick, when he came on, tried to do it. Now, I've no doubt that the league and some of the owners in the league got annoyed uh, when he politicized football. Mm -hmm. And I think that Goodell probably got pissed off because the NFL tried to keep themselves out of politics to a degree. Now... They still have that whole, you know, salute to the army thing. 
So they're still getting involved to a degree because if you support the army and the army's fighting in foreign lands, well then obviously they're kind of somehow supporting some type of politics. But they want this to is keep... the, this is the problem with politics and sports is that sports yeah. uh, basically if it suits if it suits the guys at the top, then they'll they'll use all the political things in the world to to further their their own agendas. But then when somebody else does it and the message doesn't quite suit, then it doesn't matter whether it was done in a in what way it was done and what the message is, then then we go then we go oh you know it's got to be split. Um, this is you can't have two different rule books on the same same issue. This is I I, I just feel like he's been very harshly treated um, when he was like I said this is a real problem in America um, and people don't want to face up to it. He did. He tried to highlight that and now essentially he's cost him his career but he is a better quarterback than probably anybody any quarterback on the browns in the last two or three years he's probably as good an option as anybody in new york right now at the jets so he could definitely play in this league but how much is he asking for i've no idea see that's the problem no one knows how much he's asking for and he might hide behind I'm being blacklisted and all of this. Maybe his wage demands are crazy. Remember, what did this guy go and, and try to get paid? Well, it was a laughable amount of money. It was over 100 million, right, for the contract? I, 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 I can't remember those numbers. The the only thing I would say, being cynical against the media, that if he was asking for a hell of a lot of money, way way above what he, he, should, he should be expecting, I think the media would find out about it, somebody would leak it, and it would be everywhere because they'd use it as another way to attack him. The fact that we're not hearing about it says to me that actually that's probably not an issue. There's no story to be had out of what he's asking for. Um, and I think the fact that when he went to talk to the Ravens, they were talking about a potential backup role shows that he's probably not talking about a massive amount of money. Um, but I just think if he was and that was the problem, then the media would use it as a way of attacking him. We'd all know about it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know if all the media are in cahoots to if he was looking for a reasonable amount of money that someone wouldn't say it but on top of that Ryan as well I mean and again I'm not against the dude I'm not or any of that type of stuff I'm just you know trying to state facts in the sense that with his stats you know he's up there against Blaine Gabbard I think what Mm -hmm. he did if you're a sports person and you can highlight a wrong uh, well then by all means you know you can make that decision to do it but look at Tebow right I mean Tebow was an absolute media circus and the only people that would actually take him on was New York who are a circus to begin with they take him on and you had that whole big mouth up there uh, who had Sanchez tattooed on his arm uh, Rex Ryan brought him in and they were okay with the media it kind of in, in fact brought a bit of a you know a bit of a buzz around the Jets camp that they hadn't had in a while because they sucked so bad you know and then the yeah. only other person that could actually handle the likes of a Tebow was the Patriots they were able to bring him in but they had Tebow watch on I th- maybe it was NFL.com and they had and this guy was a was a backup quarterback. They tried to bring him in then as a tight end, I believe, at some stage. But, I mean, this is a guy who's a backup player uh, who might not even make the roster, but they had an update every day about him because he was such a, a circus character that everyone wanted a piece of him. The problem is, is not that they didn't agree with what Kaepernick was saying. Maybe some of these owners just don't want the circus irrespective of what he was saying and what he was doing. They might agree with him, but they don't want that distraction coming into you know, their locker room when they're trying to make a run. And I just find sure. that, you know, it's it's like the Joe Mixon thing. I mean, everyone has morals until it comes to, oh, well, maybe you can actually help a football team. The thing is, is Kaepernick took an absolute nosedive in stats. And if you're going to take on a circus, you're probably going to want to take it on for somebody who's a proven player, which is what the Bengals did when they took on Mixon. 
they were like yes he has these issues but he's not the only person let's bring him on if he can do well for the team nothing will make the public turn around more than if you play well we saw that with the likes of Wayne Rooney with all that scandal where he was going off with Elwins you know when he came in and actually started playing well people happened to forget about the fact that he was messing around on his wife and he was a bad guy so similarly with Mixum he, he rips off a few good runs he's going to be the best guy in the world Ray Rice came back into the league did the same everyone would suddenly forget about the domestic assault case you know, and with the likes of Kaepernick, yeah, if he came in and they got him in and he did well, well, then I think all of that stuff would be forgotten if anyone sort of held it against him. But I'm not convinced that he's being blacklisted. Okay. But I think we could, I think the problem is we could talk about this for a long time and I guess we won't ever truly know. But um, my feeling is he could well be on a number of different rosters around the league, especially if he's considering backup roles. Um, and I, I just hope he gets back in the league. Uh, probably the last thing I'd say on it is obviously you mentioned Joe Mixon again there and, and the people that would defend him would say look Joe Mixon the football player mm. and then they almost separate the two Where, whereas in this case nobody will consider Colin Kaepernick the football player because of the off the field stuff if that's what it is <laughs> reiterate if that's what it is if he's not asking for colossal I, money I think I think I think we will we will move on because uh, otherwise it's going to become the Colin Kaepernick show mm. um, but I think if um, if we were to write down now every quarterback that was on an NFL roster, uh, I think he'd be he would he wouldn't be towards the bottom of that list if you started trying to rank that as a as an NFL depth chart. You know, with with Rogers at the top, followed by Brady and and so on, all the way down to you know your Joe Callahan's and and the random Arena League guy that the Raven the Raven signed right down at the bottom. You know, mm. he he wouldn't he would be two thirds of the way up that list, in my opinion. And that's what tells me. (laughs) That's what tells me it's not about his playing ability. It's it's for other reasons. But anyway, that does wrap up the questions from the fans. Uh, You've you caused you caused quite some debate to people. So well done. Yeah, that was good. I like that. I like that a lot. But we're we're nearly at the end of the podcast because we have to get fan of the week on. So I'll tell you what, let's get fan of the week on. Do some housekeeping and let's get out of dodge. Let's do it. Meet the fan. Well, hey, oh, Rhino, takeover of the Paddies, baby. We haven't had a Paddy Packer on Fan of the Week. Actually, have we not had a Paddy Packer on Fan of the Week at all yet? I don't think we've had one, have we? No. We, we tried We tried getting Sean, I think, at one point. But uh... you, Hold on, hold on. Are you just picking random Irish sound the names and saying we tried to get Sean and Seamus on? Tommy, <laughs> tried to get him on as well. I mean, Ryan, come on now. No, no, no! Come on, we we tried to get Sean, and I'm sure, but you know, he was too busy and had uh, you know this celebrity lifestyle going on. Uh, yeah. Was it not Sean McGrinder? Sean McGrinder, yeah. And it was yeah. weird because I said he's from Belfast, and he was like, oh, you think I'm from Belfast?" I was like, "Hold on, hold on! You said that for your membership request here, pal." All right, don't know where he's from. <laughs> he could be from New York. Who knows? But anyway, we won't delay. I mean, get on a, a, a Paddy Packer uh, for all the listeners, especially the Americans. Hold on to your panties, and also. Maybe your translator, because I might have to translate for him. Um, Oscar Ege. It's uh, Kenneth McNamara. What's going on, buddy? Uh, not too bad, Steve. Look at that. Look at that, Ryan. Laid back as be damned. Jesus. Just as, as simple as that. I mm. love it. So, look, you might have to help me out. But yeah. uh, first off, I want to know, because let's face it, I, we quite, quite often get the question, anybody in England, it's, do you live near London? Yeah. So I'm guessing you Irish guys get, are you from Dublin? Yeah. So, whereabouts are you from, Kenny Mac? I'm 
about an hour outside of Dublin and the right right bang in the middle of Ireland. Mm. Nice. Yeah. So you're from the heart of Ireland. That's exactly it, yeah. We're we're the epicentre of uh, Irishness. <laughs> That's how it works. Like the closer it. to the inside of Ireland you get, Ryan, the more truly Irish you really are. Nice. Nice. Tell us the tell us the name then, see if we know it. Uh Tullamore Offley. Offley. County Offaly, yeah. yeah. Okay. Ken, you even said that weird to an Irishman. You know what I mean? Awfully. Usually it'd be awfully. Awfully, Ken. Oh. Jesus Christ. I'm going to have to give Ken elocution lessons here. This is what happens, Ryan, when you go into the depths of Ireland. You get the wild men. You know what I mean? And that's what we have yeah. here with Kenneth McNamara. But, Ken, an awful lot of stuff doesn't get to the middle of Ireland. I say that as an Irishman. Ryan, in, usually in, in Ken's hometown here, running water isn't a given. Okay? <laughs> Electricity is a new thing. Televisions are black and white. The wheel is still square. Ken, how in the name of Jesus now? Did the Packers get to Offaly? And how did you support well, them? And how long ago did you discover that there was a world outside Tullamore? Well, well I got, uh, luckily I got, the, uh, I, got, I got the town internet for the night, so... <laughs> I, 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 found, I found the Packers. I, I started watching NFL about 2000, 2001. Right. And um, I started, you know, I didn't really get into it properly until 2000, well, 2010. And the Packers is one of them teams that is new, so I started watching them really, and and the the, the season kicked off, and I, I just it was it was between the Packers and this the New York Giants and that, and I I, I kind of knew the Packers more from from that '70s show, right. so I wanted to support them. So and plus plus it's our colours, isn't it? Green and gold, like Offaly's green, Ireland's green. So yeah. It does natural choice. Sounds pretty good. And another mention there for the for that seventies show seems to be the reason for quite a few fans. Um, so when you say that Offaly's green, what's that one? Your GAA team's green, is it? Yeah, our GAA team is uh, green, white, and and gold. Okay, and have they mainly been the sports that you've generally been into up until finding NFL? My main sports are soccer, United Sporter, GAA. Not mm-hmm. really much anymore because they're they're crap. <laughs> I'm a wicked so, man. Uh, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. I was just going to say that because you always say how Wicklow are so bad. So you're telling me awfully bad. Who's a decent team if I'm getting into it? It depends, doesn't it, Ken? Whether you're talking about Gaelic football or hurling. But Offaly oh, used to be okay. fairly handy. Now I remember as a young lad going up to Crow Park and having uh, the the Offaly. They used to get the dinner. You know where your granny knits uh, jumpers and stuff and you have the big twine wool uh, it was a thing in Ireland Ken correct me if I'm wrong if this didn't reach down the country or whatever if it was just a, a Dublin sort of a, in the pale thing but they get the uh, wool that your granny knits and they get the colours so awfully I definitely wore like a little sort of I don't know I think it was maybe a brace that made it a wool Ken do you remember that going on does it still go on get get, get your, your headbands your scarves and your hats that it. that's the whole yeah, lot you see there you yeah, go. They, they, they still go on, yeah. I'd probably have a few of them around the, the room there. <laughs> right, next UK Packers meetup. Ken, you are now the woolen factory for the UK Packers. You're going to have to produce many units uh, for when we meet up. But look, at you said there, so you started supporting NFL, you know, taking a bit of an interest, 2000, 2001. Like, that's, Jesus, that's 17 years ago, but you only picked the Packers a good 10 years after that. How involved were you with watching the NFL? Was it just kind of dipping in and out to see? And did you ever feel compelled to pick a team back then, or was it just too casual for you? 
I started yeah I started watching the the Super Bowl back in 2001 ish yeah and uh, it was only for a few years I'd videotape it and then I'd watch it the next day after school and then then I started playing Madden I think 2005 and the only team I could be good with was the Broncos right but I I didn't stick with them I I, I tried with the Packers at the time but. I just couldn't win with them because they. I, all I had to do was throw a ball in the Broncos and somehow they won every game 85-0. And it wasn't until I decided I wanted to watch a season game in 2010 yeah. and then I watched it every week that, that, se- that season. Mm. Not a bad season to watch them right now, huh? No, for sure. Uh, nice nice year. So was that your, would you say that's your like early, earliest like Packers memory? Um, I'm presuming. Have you have you been to Lambo or is it, or not yet? I've been to Lambo last year. I uh, my brother lives in Canada, and nice. uh, he he came down. We met in Chicago, and we unfortunately went to to see the Colts game. Right, the one we were definitely supposed to win last season. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the one. And uh, I got to see I got to see a, a kickoff return in Lambo Field. Just unfortunately. We didn't get to sit down. <laughs> what can you do? It's it was a good day though. It was great, great atmosphere. I loved it. It was brilliant. Yeah. So we're going over again uh, for the Seahawks game, and the Colts again would have been a smashing game, especially with the quarterback that they have in Andrew Luck. You know, one of the heavyweights. I suppose it wasn't great that uh, first off Clinton Dix makes that sack. But anyway, I'm, I don't want to get into it. Tell us more about the atmosphere then when you went in. Did, like, were you on your own? Did you bring your brother in? Did he understand it? And, you know, did you get to talk to any of the fans and for them to realise that you were Irish? Yeah, we, um, we, we, my brother came in. We got it. We got a good, got good tickets. And, um, yeah, we, it, it was great atmosphere. It was brilliant. We got, we had a few drinks so we could really immerse ourselves into the, into the culture. They all get, get, get singing properly you can't really sing properly yeah. until you have a drink in you and just bringing my brother like outside out in the um out out seeing everybody just like camping outside with their, their food and and just get ready for the game it it was it's completely different to anything i've ever seen between old trafford or down to gaa in ireland is it it just it is a different experience completely and did you manage to get involved in in much outside of the stadium beforehand? Did you did you ever go at the tailgating and and all the rest of that? Yeah, we tried. We tried. Like we we walked around and we went into the into the big tented area and yeah. had a few drinks and watched the game. And to be honest with you, we we weren't really talking to that many people. But the the guys inside serving the drinks were 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 good to us. They found out we were Irish and. Yeah, no, it was it was a brilliant, brilliant, uh, brilliant experience. Like I'd love to do it again. Okay, so look, look, let's talk in a brilliant experiences now, <laughs> right? You've been, I think you've been to some of the UK Packers meetups, and if it, if you haven't, then I worry because I'm sure I shared a beer with you at the last one. But uh, tell us about the UK Packers meetups that you've been to, and are you planning on going to any more in the future? Yeah, I was at, I was the only the only meet up I was at was at the Super Bowl party, and I met a, a whole heap of you there, and that that was that was great crack. That was brilliant. Uh, <laughs> it's meeting meeting everybody. Sorry, I got super patty there. Great crack and all all, all this. Yeah. All That's this right. Jazz. I love this. All right. 
there's no there's no crack cocaine at these parties let me just say crack is an Irish word for fun but anyway uh, carry on there Kenneth <laughs> no yeah it was it was a brilliant experience going along by myself I was kind of I didn't know what what had happened what what type of people I meet but everyone was brilliant and it was great set up and Yo, congratulations to you two guys for for doing such a such a good night out. Well, cheers, Kevin. Uh, we we do our best anyway. Uh, right now, you know, it's really gone from strength to strength, especially with um setting up the membership numbers. Now we kind of have a better idea, finger on the pulse, as to where people are. Um, so even though you might be in the smack bang in the middle of little old Ireland, uh, Ken, we still managed to find where you are, and certainly you managed to find us. And again, from mm-hmm. myself and Ryan, we'd just like to thank you as well because you're a big contributor to the group too. Um. In the sense that you know you always get involved in the polls and, and most of the stuff that we do in the 1919 club and the rest of it so ken mm-hmm. to say that you do have a uk packers membership number and unfortunately for now we'll have the bid of you but we know we're going to see you at our dublin meetup because you bought a ticket to that can you tell the listeners what member you are for the uk packers and uh, number 49 oh nice nice number, number 49 good number yeah well, Ken, it's been an absolute pleasure, buddy. Um, and as I said, we'll see you on the Dublin meetup and uh, we'll lift a few Guinnesses. Now, it's not going to have to make excuses that we need to get ourselves immersed in it like you when you went to Lambo. I'm a bit disgraced, Ken, as an Irishman, that you needed an excuse in the first place. I know that you're just being polite, but no excuses when we meet up in Dublin, buddy, and we'll see you then. All right, cool. See you then. Look forward to it. See you later. There you go, Rhino. Another Irish voice. It's good to have a uh, good to have back up on the, on the podcast. It's good to have a Joe Callahan too and Aaron mm. Rodgers that I'm going to... I shouldn't really compare myself to Aaron Rodgers. So how how far apart is uh is County Offaly and County Wicklow? Yeah, it's about, well, you'd have to go to country roads to get there, not unless you want to go up to Dublin for an hour and then go an hour. That see see what he said. That's how people in Ireland give the location of where they are. How may, how far away from Dublin you are? I've heard. So Ireland uh, on the east coast is Dublin, and on the west coast is Galway. I've even heard some places in Galway being described as only three hours outside of Dublin, and you're like, yeah, on the opposite <laughs> side of the country. Like Jesus Christ, get a boat or a plane for God's yeah. sake. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. But anyway, Rhino, a bit of housekeeping before we leave the people. Sure. Well, nineteen nineteen club as always. That is uh, that is full, and we're going to do the draw right after this podcast. Mm. Um, so there will be a new draw along in a few days. We got a, another special item, and we've been talking about our helmet, the Brett Favre. Signature. We do like to talk about our helmet a lot on this podcast. But now we've got another unbelievable signed item sat here on my desk. Do we unleash the beast? Should we tell him? Because we're going to have to put, we're going to have to draw one of these soon. Like we now have an Aaron Rodgers signed baseball cap. So right now on the desk, I've got something signed by Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Uh, so yeah, this is where I, know, I might now seriously just shut everything down to a runner. Mm. Um, yeah, it'd be uh, be almost worth it. Yeah. So if I start doing solo podcasts again, then know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, basically I nick the stuff and uh, see you later. But uh, yeah, we'll get that one done. Um, what else have we got? Still, the jerseys are absolutely flying out. We sold mm. another one during the podcast tonight. Yeah. Um, so they're still going. If you've got any questions on those, uh, whether it's about size, fit, uh, whatever it might be, um, get on to us. Uh, they did say because it's a custom item, they all have to be made individually. Obviously, everybody, every jersey is unique, um, so they can't make them in batch. So they did say it's about four-week uh, maximum uh, lead time. So, of course, now if you haven't ordered it by now, will it be here before your Green Bay trip is, is a question we keep getting. It's going to be very tight. Um, so you'll have to make that decision 
Um, Size-wise as well, I think is another one we keep getting asked. I, I always find it difficult to try and work out from a size chart what size you'd be. The way I've worked it out at the moment, um, I'm a guy that's maybe not got a flat stomach. Let's put it that way. Wow. Um, no, I, I know, I know, I know. I've let myself go. Yeah. Um, but we're getting back into pre-season, so I've got to get training again. Um, but essentially what I've done is most of the time I go XL on a Nike NFL jersey. Uh, for this, I've gone 2XL, and I think that's about right. So if, uh, like me, you've got a, more of a keg shape about you, then maybe go <laughs> size up. Um, so that's another one we've, 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 been, uh, we've been asked. But if you've got any questions, get on to us, and then we'll, we'll help you out. Yeah, I think it's comparative to their old Reeboks, and it's the same type of material as Reeboks. It's not that slim fit that's not very flattering on the O or D line. Yeah. It's nice. And it's the elasticated sleeves. And again, if you're a ter- if you're a three membership number, and we said it's on the last podcast, if you've three members ship number, so you're two hundred and two, how it'll appear is you'll just have a two on your jersey. If you're three hundred and twelve, you'll have a twelve. And a three hundred will be written in the one of the twelve. So it'll look like a twelve jersey, but you'll actually be three hundred and twelve. So it'll look it'll look better, it won't look odd, but your three one two or three one two will be in the inside of your collar. Yep. And then I think the only last thing to say is obviously get on the website if you want to come to our meetups this year. Week one Green Bay. You can still book onto it, but you're about four weeks away now, so you would have to pay it in its entirety. But you can still book onto that trip. Um, if you can't make Green Bay for whatever reason, we've got week six in Manchester. Uh, it's a six o'clock kickoff. Uh, we've got week, is it 11, 10? 10? Against 10? the Ravens. Uh, against the Ravens. Um, over in uh, Dublin, make sure you're on that. That's £6 a ticket. You can buy them. You get all the tickets from our website. So go to ukpackers.co.uk. Uh, go to the Members tab. Um, I'm doing it as I'm talking to you. Uh, go to the Members tab, down to the 2017 Meetups, uh, and then flick across, and you'll see all the events there and all the links for tickets. Um, and then, of course, we've got the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm which is still to be announced as yet. But all we can say is we are now very close to announcing our Super Bowl plans. Um, and it's going to be quite different from the other years. We're still going to have flag football. We're still going to have the fan bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs group, the Arrowheads abroad. Um, and we should have an absolutely fantastic venue lined up. Me and Steve are working our socks off behind the scenes here, trying to get it all finalised. And as soon as we do, we will get it announced. Mm. Um, so we're very close. So obviously you were going to book the day off after the Super Bowl anyway because you're going to be watching it. So get that in and uh, we should be announcing it very, very soon. Yep. So that's all for this week. We will be coming back to you again with our coaches all-time UK pack team. We're going to be getting your nominations for that later in the week. But from myself, at NFL on Twitter, give me a follow. Follow the group at UK Packers. And from my old buddy, my old pal, at Brian Peacock NFL, it's goodbye for now. Good day.